7, and it reads this way. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I'm going to read that one more time. Again, it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, this is a commandment, I guess like all the commandments, a lot of us know them, a lot of us uh, have at least some of them memorized, maybe not in the correct order, and this is one that we've heard a lot, and like most of the commandments, we tend to kind of already have a definition of what it means, and what, you know, what it means for our life, and what we shouldn't do this morning, and, and this morning I want to take uh, what we shouldn't do in our lives with it, but this morning I want to take a few minutes and unpack it a little bit. And probably try and expand our understanding and expand our thinking on what God has intended this commandment for. The reason we call this series Kingdom Living is because these aren't just rules we talked about a couple weeks ago. They aren't just regulations. But this is a way for us to have complete and full lives. Instructions on how we commune with God and how we relate to God and how we commune and relate to one another. That we might have full lives. Ones that draw us closer to God ones that draw us closer to his heart and give us more understanding of who he is and his call on our life. So this morning as we, pack in, uh, as we dive into this and unpack it, we want to take note of a couple um, things. And first and foremost that we see here is that God takes his name very, very seriously. Otherwise, it wouldn't be this command. You know, he just got done saying, no other gods before me and, and no uh, graven images before me. But he takes it a step further and he says, not just that, but my name shall not be used or misused or used in vain. That my name is serious and it's important. So if it's important and it's serious to God, it needs to be important and serious to us. Now, we tend to limit this this verse, this commandment to one thing, that we shouldn't use his name in a in a derogatory way or in a profane way. We shouldn't misuse it in the way we speak to other people or in our everyday conversations. But there's so much more to this than just that. It is part of it, the way we use it, that we shouldn't use that in a derogatory manner or a perverted manner. We are just called to use it in the most holy manner. But what exactly does that mean? So first we're going to look at how serious it is to God. And so we're going to take a minute and, and dive in a couple of scriptures. And the first being Psalm 23. Does everybody know Psalm 23? Yeah, I think most of us probably do. It's the most famous psalm there is. And it starts how? The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still high waters. He still, wow. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Let's stop right there. Oops, stop, wait, stop. Stop, I wasn't there yet. Wasn't there yet. Stop. So this psalm starts out talking about what God does for us. That he is our shepherd, that he guides us, that he leads us in paths of righteousness, that he puts us beside still and quiet waters, that he restores our souls. And this is what we tend to focus on in this verse is what God does for us. What He is so gracious and so good and so loving in our lives, and it's all true. But really the most important part of the verse are the the. The psalm is that next phrase that you guys went to a little early. That's okay. It happens. Is he does this not just for us and not because we're the end all be all, but it says he does this for his namesake. 
He doesn't just do it so that we have restored lives. He doesn't just do it so we're by quiet waters or that we're in paths of righteousness. He says he does it for his namesake. See, his name and what it means and what it uh, means to other people in the world is important to him. It's serious that his name be taken in the most high regards, in the most holy regards, in the most worthy regards, that it is due all the honor that we have. And so here it says, I do these things, and I pour out my goodness, and I pour out my favor in your life, and, and I am gracious to you, and I restore your soul. But don't forget, I do this for my namesake. I don't just do it for you. This is not all about you. And we tend to focus on that, right? We tend to kind of get wrapped up in this idea that God just does all this stuff for me, and he, he you know, it's just all about me, when in reality what he says is, this is for my namesake. And so his name is super important, and he takes it serious, the holiness and worthiness of his name. And then in Ezekiel chapter 36, if you want to turn there, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 22 and following, we really begin to see how important his name is, how much value he holds, and how holy he desires for his name to be. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 32 through 36 says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. For the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned, profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. So he's talking to, uh, to the nation of Israel, and he says that you have profaned my name. He's basically saying you have misused my name, you have, have used my name in vain, and I am going to do some things not because of you, but because of me and my namesake, because my name is holy, and I want people to understand who I am. I want people to understand my name. So not based on the actions of the Israelites, but based on the holiness of his name, he says, I will take you out of all the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and I will bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and I, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you from I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave to your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the fields so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and your wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sin and your detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. There's some amazing things that are happening in this passage here in Ezekiel. Is it, and he starts off by saying, you have done wrong by my name. You have made it profane, and you have shown me a disgrace by my name to other nations all over the place. 
And he says, but I am going to move in you and through you so that other nations will know who I am. And so then he tells them all these things that he's going to do, that he's going to basically restore them. He's going to change their hearts of stone and, and give them hearts of flesh, that he's never going to give them famine. He's going to give them the bounty, and that they're going to be full so that other nations may see that he is God. And then something very interesting happens. When all this happens, he says, when you see all my goodness and you see all my favor and you see all my good works, then you will be ashamed of your sin. You know, there's that verse that says, your kindness, Lord, leads us to repentance. Man, right here in the Old Testament, we see where God is saying, even though you've done these things, I am going to be kind to you because my name is holy, because this is for my namesake. And by doing that, it begins to show them where they were wrong and give them the opportunity to come and to repent. See, God takes his name serious and the use of his name serious, and so must we. So when we talk about commandments, usually we tend to think of them as lists of don'ts. Don't do this. You know, and it's okay to have things that you shouldn't do. And so real quick before we kind of move on, I want to transition right into these things that God calls us not to do. Because he's saying, my name is serious, so you need to know how to not use it. Where you can go wrong in using it. And one of the great places that you can go for some of these lists, and I want to encourage you, is Luther's small catechism. We use it quite often. Um, I know I, I saw some of Billy's notes, and I know that he was using it, sorry, um, in, his, in his sermon and, and upcoming sermons. It is a great resource of, of um, the Ten Commandments and how to help understand them and how to help unpack them. So just real quick, I want to talk just over a couple of them. The ways that we use his name in vain, the ways we misuse his name in vain, uh, misuse his name that we need to be aware of and careful of in our everyday life. So things like employing any name of God uselessly or carelessly, cursing, using witchcraft, lying or deceiving by his name, speaking evil or blaspheming his name. Leviticus 24.15 says, if anyone curses God, they will be held responsible. Cursing others, the power of our tongue. James 3, 9, 10 says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, my brothers. It should not be this way. False doctrine is the way we use, misuse the Lord's name. By adding to Scripture or taking away from Scripture is another one. In Deuteronomy 12 and 32, it says that we shouldn't add to or subtract. And so when we begin to not just a lot of times we, we kind of lump it into just teaching false doctrine, but often because we don't spend time in the Word, we don't know the Word, we begin to create our own false doctrine. Not on purpose, but because of lack of intentionality. Sometimes on purpose because we don't want to conform. We don't want to obey. We don't want to do the things that God's called us to do or to stay away from the things He says to stay away from. So we begin to wrap and warp what the Word says. And that is a form of, of using God's name in vain. Prophecy, if we're not careful with how we prophesy. Jeremiah 23 says, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare, the Lord declares this. And we need to be careful. Prophecy is one powerful tool that God has given us where he speaks words um, through us for for 
other people or into our own lives or our, our warnings or whatever it might be. It is, a, it is a gift of God. But when we begin to take our own thoughts and then add the, thus says the Lord to them, we have just entered into this place of taking the Lord's name in vain. And those are things we need to be aware of. But probably the biggest thing we need to be aware of is our lives. Matthew 15, 8 says this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules taught by men. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Our lives matter. What we do matters. What we say matters. And most of all, especially in regards to um, this commandment, our lives say something as Christians. Our lives say something about the name of God. The question is, what does our life say? What does my life say about the name of God? What does your life say about the name of God? Because as Christians, right, Romans tells us that we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. So we're confessing that we are Christians. We are confessing that, that we believe in the name of Jesus and that he is God, that he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. All the names that he is, he is the great I Am. We can confess that all day long, but what do our lives say? I think this might be the most overlooked part of this entire commandment. Because it's every single day. That we have to be aware that as Christians, we are confessing the name of Jesus, that we are following after Jesus. And so as Christians, our lives and what they say to somebody else that's around us is saying something about who Jesus is in us. And it's a two-edged sword. It, it, it might sting a little bit if you begin to think about your life. If you begin to think about last week or maybe yesterday or maybe last month, or wherever it might be, where you have struggled, and, and you know you have done things you shouldn't have done, and, and you know that people are watching, and maybe it's other Christians, maybe it's non-believers, it, it doesn't really matter, but your name, uh, your life, it says something about the name of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but this brought me to a place of almost immediate repentance. When I began to realize that in this commandment, my life is being held in account because I confess the name of Jesus. And so my life and what it does means something about the name of Jesus. But here's the most incredible part. Is even though that is hard to swallow and hard to understand and, and maybe you don't want to deal with that and you, it's too much pressure, maybe you're in that place where you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I am such a sinner. Oh, my goodness. I need to start all over. Well, the great news is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is also where you find forgiveness. Acts 10 tells us that. And actually, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I just feel like someone might need to hear that. Acts 10 tells us that it's in the name of Jesus we receive forgiveness. This morning we sang about it's in the name of Jesus that we're redeemed, that we're healed, that we're saved. Part of understanding and staying away from the misuse of the name of Jesus is understanding the full power 
and, and, and the full authority and the fullness of his name. This is what the Bible says about the power of God's name. In Philippians 2, 9 and 11, and, and there's a bunch of verses that I'm giving you and I'm going to give you, and so they're on version outline, and if you would like a copy and not on version, um, if you'll email Jessica, she'll be more than happy to email them to you. Thanks, Jessica. Um, because I think it's important that we understand this is what Scripture says. This isn't just thoughts. It's not just our own doctrine that we're talking about. But this is what Scripture says about the name of the Lord. In Philippians excuse me, 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that our salvation is in the name of Jesus. Salvation in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no one, no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Proverbs 18.10 says that his name is a strong tower and a place that we are called to run to. It's a place where we can find safety. We can find refuge from the things that are going on and from the enemies that might be talking to us, the, the, after us. The name of the Lord is something we can use to bless other people. We do it every single Sunday. When we leave this place, Billy or myself or whoever else might be leading the service blesses you from Numbers 6. It says, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. In the name of the Lord, we can bless people. In the name of the Lord, we can approach God. In the name of Jesus, we can approach God and ask for things. John 16 says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. But now, ask and you shall receive and your joy will be complete. We find forgiveness In his name, we cast out demons, Mark says, in his name. It says the darkness trembles and demons shall flee at the name of Jesus, that we find our redemption. But most of all, at least for me, it kind of all wraps up in this one idea. And if we can grasp a hold of this, it really makes understanding the seriousness that God takes his name and the seriousness we're supposed to take his name. If we can grasp a hold of this. It says that in the Bible, and we're going to read a couple of verses, it says that when we call, he answers. And that is true power in the name of Jesus, that when we call, he answers. You know, the only thing I can liken it to in in our earthly world is the power of the name of your mom and dad. You know, or your children calling your name. Because how often when your children call to you or you have called to your parents in a moment of distress, how often do they not answer? You know? Man, you can you can yell mommy in our backyard and Joanna could be down the street and she will come streaming home. Because there's power for our children. There is power in that name. They know that if I call, they will come. And that's 
what Jesus is saying to us this morning. That is what I'm hoping you hear this morning. It's not just about what we don't do, but it's about how we use his name. And God is saying to us this morning, and he's saying to you in your everyday life, you need to call on me. And not just in distress, but any time, all the time, each and every day. Psalm 17, 6 through 9 says, I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give me Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonder of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who assail me from my mortal enemies. All through Psalms, Psalm 18, 6, Psalm 50, 15, 55, 16, 86, 3, 91, 15, 99, 6, 120, verse 1. Did you guys get all those? And that's maybe like a tenth of where it says, I called on you and you answered me. Or the Lord reminds us, I call on me and I will answer you. And also just for a little extra, Jonah, 2-2, he calls on the Lord and guess what? He answers. And so this morning, I want to take, actually, I didn't ask you, but Steph, can you come up and play? This morning, I just want to take a minute because... I think there are some of us that need just a minute before God because maybe we have, have confessed the name of Jesus in our lives and yet our lives, we're not trying to live that way. I'm not talking about just you know, kind of making mistakes and, and, and you know, repenting. I'm talking about that we have said we love Jesus, but our life does not. We have said that we follow the name of Jesus, but our life does not. There might That might be you, but... I also believe that there's some people here that are in distress, that are in time of need, that that are dealing maybe with pain or depression or loneliness. And Jesus says, please, don't misuse my name, but use it. Use it to the full power that it was meant to be used. And that's when we call on the name of the Lord. When we call on his name in our distress, he says, I answer you. Every single time. You will never find out in the Bible where it says, I called on the name of the Lord, and he decided not to answer me. It says, I call on the name of the Lord, for I know. For I know you will answer me. So this morning, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm gonna ask you to stand, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but I just want to pray for you. And so if that's you, I just want you to agree with me as I pray for you that. We will use the name of the Lord the way he intended it, the most holy way. That we will not use it carelessly, that we will not use it aimlessly, but we will use it to move in power. We will use his name and call on him in our time of need, in our time of distress, and let him answer us and let him change our hearts. Let his kindness move us to repentance, to change, that we may move in power. Lord, I pray for each person here who has been struggling in this area. Lord, where we haven't used your name to the fullest, where we have taken it in vain or we have misused it and, and, and not called on you, not cried out to you, not understanding that our salvation is in your name, our healing is in your name, our freedom is in your name, the bondage and breaking of sins is in your name. So I pray for freedom in this place, Lord. I pray for boldness in this place, Lord, that we would cry out to you.
Lord, that we would no longer wander or walk aimlessly, but, Lord, we would pursue you with full passion and cry out and call on the mighty name of our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.